Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Boll, Director of Public Affairs. This week we're going to talk to Spencer Tuma, our Director of National Legislative Programs, about how the government has now reopened after the longest shutdown in American history. So let's get started. Spencer Tuma is our Director of National Legislative Programs, and Spencer, I'm glad we're able to get together and talk about something new this week, which is the government being reopened. I have to tell you, Eric, I think I am as surprised as anybody when I uh, heard the news that the government was reopening on Friday. So I have to be honest, I didn't expect it to happen so soon. Yeah, it, and soon isn't really the, the way to describe it normally because it's been 35 days, but it just seemed like there wasn't any end in sight. And then out of the blue, mm-hmm. uh, they just kind of came up with a, a proposal to sort of do an interim reopening for just a few weeks here. Yeah, absolutely. So basically what Congress finally agreed to and and what the administration agreed to was a short-term funding resolution that funds the federal government through February 15th. Now that is a Friday. Um, President Trump has stated that the purpose of reopening the government is to help assist some federal workers who have, of course, gone without pay. A lot of people, you know, citizens who typically don't interact very heavily with the government, have even started to see the impacts of the government shutdown. So the point of reopening the government was to help those people and then also give Congress time to hopefully reach a a solution on immigration policy. Now, the president continues to push for a wall along the southern border, and he has indicated that if there is not an agreement reached by February 15th that funds that wall, he will shut the government down again. So mm-hmm. this could only be temporary. Right. Um, I wouldn't want to speculate on well, what will happen beyond then. Yeah. Well, and this is partially um, agreeing to what the Democrats had asked for uh, as far as negotiations go, because they had said, uh, Speaker Pelosi had said that she wouldn't negotiate on the wall as long as the government is shut down. We need to reopen it if we want to negotiate. So this does give them some opportunity to actually get in the room and and, uh, and talk without that looming uh, continuing crisis in their eyes uh, over their heads. Uh, I, I don't know what the prospects are of them actually getting something solved before February 15th, mm-hmm. um, but they did take some some other steps that would would help out if, if they aren't able to come to a conclusion. I think one of the things that people were most concerned about is SNAP beneficiaries um, not being able to receive their um, their payments, their, their, their EBT benefits, mm-hmm. if a shutdown a, a continued. So I, I saw that there was something in there that would extend that a little bit. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So that was a big concern, especially in this kind of, I'm going to call it the first round of the government right. shutdown to be determined on whether or not there'll be a second round. But there was some concern that if the government shutdown persisted, that individuals who receive SNAP benefits, and those are typically given out every month, uh, would not be able to receive those benefits because the government wasn't funded. So what they did in the first round of the shutdown was they actually released some of those benefits early so that people could go ahead and receive them and not be impacted by the shutdown. What they did when they reached the funding agreement last week is they actually put a provision in that agreement that would allow SNAP to basically be funded and functioning through the month of April. So if there is a second round of this shutdown, a SNAP recipient should not see any lapse in their benefits. Yeah, and that's something I have not really seen much in the media. I saw it in a very, in like a footnote uh, in a in an update email that they had slipped this provision in to ensure that SNAP does uh, does not lapse if the 
shutdown comes back. So that won't be a, a political football to be um, kicked around. But there are plenty of other things that are still would be shut down if the government isn't uh, if an agreement isn't reached by February fifteenth. Uh, what what departments would be seeing a shutdown at that point? So all of the same departments that were impacted by the first round of the shutdown would be impacted again if the government does shut down for a second round. So that includes USDA, EPA, FDA. Um, and the Department of the Interior. Those are kind of the big four that most people think of. Of course, that means if the government is shut down by law, USDA cannot move forward with implementing the 2018 Farm Bill. So it's been, you know, by now it's been 37 or 38 days since the Farm Bill has been signed. None of it has been implemented because legally they are not allowed to move forward while the government shut down. So we hope in the next three weeks at least and maybe beyond uh, that USDA can start working on implementing those programs. A lot of positive developments in that bill for farmers, ranchers, and rural communities, especially on rural broadband. Um, so we're hoping that we can make as much progress as possible on that front. Yeah, and what does the reopening really look like? You know, what are the struggles that some of these agencies might be facing as they are reopening after being closed for a month, uh, more than a month? So something I think some people may not know about government shutdowns is that by law, when the government is shut down and you have to close your agency, you basically have to close the doors like you never intend to come back. So you have to like shut down your entire payroll system, for mm -hmm. example. So when everybody comes back to work on Monday, which would have been yesterday, uh, they have to completely restart all those systems. Now, that's probably easier than starting from scratch because a lot of things are still in the system. People don't have to submit their paperwork again and that sort of thing. Um, there's also a big backlog. You know, people have been sending emails, people have been making phone calls, and you're not allowed to answer any of them mm -hmm. while the government is shut down. So you might have been furloughed. If, if you're working at USDA, potentially you might be furloughed. So you would have been at home, you would not have been in the office and not receiving pay. And you might come back and you might have 2,500 emails that mm -hmm. haven't been answered. So it just takes a while. It, I hate to describe it like this, but it's kind of the easiest way to put it. It's kind of like you went on a month-long vacation from work and you didn't work on anything at all while mm -hmm. you were gone. So you just have to come back to the office and, and completely kind of dig out, yeah. if you will. Well, and I saw somebody interviewed in a story yesterday that said that they came back to work, opened their, e their, their email on their computer and had like 4,200 unread emails. Totally believable. And, and they had been caught up before they left. So yeah. that can be, can take quite a while to get everything back up and running. Actually, by the, the, the end of this three-week period, mm -hmm. they may just start getting a, above water. And it, it may be um, enti entirely possible that they close again and get right back behind the ball again. So it may, uh, may be a long time before everything's really running at full efficiency the way that they at least typically are, are running. Um, some of the things that are, that's affected, though, are um, actually directly affecting us. Mm -hmm. I know you've been working on planning our Washington, D.C. trip for Farm Bureau members. How, are, how has the shutdown been affecting that? So, yeah, that really has been a kind of a a real world impact that we have seen. Of course, you know, there's a lot of impacts on producers, but from Farm Bureau's perspective, we are planning to have our annual member fly in, which is in March. We take about 100 Missouri Farm Bureau members and staff out to DC. The shutdown has made it really hard to plan some of those events, plan some of those visits, just because, and like I said, I, I keep kind of going back to this phrase, but I got an email. Um, I, I'd sent an email prior to the shutdown saying, you know, we would like to come tour your agency. Do you think you could help us out? And this is how big of a group, all, the, all those details. And the young woman I had emailed responded to me about a week ago and said, 
by law, I am not allowed to work on any of these planning details with you. Please check back with me when the government reopens. Mm -hmm. So that makes it very difficult from our perspective, planning all those logistics, um, because it is halfway across the country from Missouri. So we can't just drop in and, you know, bring a group of 100 people in a lot of these places. So um, I'm trying to plan the entire D.C. trip here in the next couple of days. Well, and and it is interesting the way that the 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 law actually affects these people because, as you mentioned, they're not allowed to work by law. And the way that that the reason that is is because there's a, a law from I think the 1870s or something called the Anti Deficiency Act, and that means you cannot um, do any work for the government without getting paid for it, unless you're an essential employee and, mm-hmm. and you know your your job your work uh, requires you to be there, and then you'll get paid back at the end. But you're not allowed to do any work without. Uh, appropriation without mm-hmm. the um, legal uh, ability to get paid for it, because then you're basically donating your work to the government. And I guess what people used to do a long time ago is try to force their employees to do work without pay and say, you know, sorry that there's a there's not appropriation for this, but if you don't do this, I'm firing you, and so you better do it. Right. And so in order to prevent that type of thing from happening, they passed the Anti-Deficiency Act. So you literally are breaking federal law if you check your email. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you make phone calls on behalf of your work, if you just want to stay on top of it, too bad. You don't. You can't stay on right, top of it, you or can't. you're breaking federal law. Yeah. And so that's why they are so strict about it. It's kind of an interesting, like unintended consequence of mm-hmm. that law. But um, that's why so many people are going to come back so far behind. And I think that is maybe a point that isn't very well understood in the general public public because you would think like well you you've known the government's going to be shut down you might as well be keeping up with it you know people are going to have questions Uh, and that certainly can be very frustrating if you're not able to get some answers but even sometimes the essential employees can't respond to you about Mm -hmm. anything that's forward-looking um, some people might be at work, but they still can't answer your question by law. And uh, that can be pretty frustrating if you're in the general public and haven't been around government shutdowns before, but it is a reality of the situation. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, so the other uh, big news this week, I guess, is that some of the some high-level delegation uh, members from China are coming to the United States. I think they're in Washington, D.C. right now talking about trying to um, negotiate some kind of an end to our trade disputes that we've had with them. Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't get it done by March the 1st, the president has said that he's going to be increasing the tariffs that he has imposed on China. Any prospects you think? Uh, what are the prospects of them actually reaching some agreement by then? Well, you know, I do think at the end of last year, we saw that there appeared to be some Um, gestures of good faith on both sides uh, between the United States and China to try to come to an agreement on this tariff situation. It's caused a lot of unrest here, especially in the agricultural community in the United States. Um, But I do think it's caused unrest over in China as well. And we have seen that there have been some efforts made to help kind of bridge, bridge those differences. To get it done by March 1st, uh, especially with a looming government shutdown and all of this going on around immigration policy, I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm saying I would not be surprised if there is not a full agreement reached by the deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how shutdown politics impacts those discussions. I mean, my understanding is USTR is still having those discussions, but obviously USDA has been shut down for 35 days. They obviously have opinions on what needs to be included for agriculture in any potential trade agreement with China. So um, 
all of this has really kind of backlogged things in Washington. You know, along the same lines of trade, we are hopeful that Congress will consider the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. All indications at the end of last year thought we would consider that in the first quarter. Well, the end of the first quarter ends March 30th, and um, I, I would be surprised if they consider it in the first quarter, to be completely honest. I sound so cynical. You're, like, rubbing <laughs> off on me, I know, right? I you're turning into me. <laughs> but, no, um, as far as China, I do think things are probably moving forward. It's not easy to do those trade agreements, and I think that's something that, that we need to remember. Is It's not something, and we knew it was never going to be solved overnight, but... Um, everything else going on politically, I think, has the potential to really slow that down. Yeah, and I think that the best we can hope for on the China situation right now is uh, hoping that they make at least tangible progress, enough that it's um, that it allows the president to delay this March 1st date mm-hmm. and say, you know, we're we're not there yet, but we're getting there. Right. We're, we're working towards it. And since they're negotiating in good faith, I'm not going to up the tariffs yet. Mm-hmm. And I think that's all he's really looking for at this point. Is, is some movement in the right direction. And right. also, you know, the, the markets have been reacting significantly to every rumor, every bit of news that comes out of these um, these discussions. And I think that uh, as that date gets closer, if they're not making any, any move, or even if they are, I guess we'll, we'll see a lot through just watching the stock mm-hmm. market and how they react to this. Because if these tariffs do go up dramatically, it would really have strong impacts on the entire U.S. economy, not right. just the ag sector. Um, so we'll we'll hopefully see some progress here in the next few days. Um, most importantly, though, is what's coming up this weekend. We talked last uh, week or last time that we spoke, uh, which was two weeks ago, mm-hmm. about the uh, potential that our Chiefs could end up in the Super Bowl, wah, and I believe wah. that I predicted. <laughs> We'll probably lose in heart-wrenching fashion. You did. And, and guess what? Uh, it was. I hate being right sometimes. It was very heart-wrenching. <laughs> I'm not going to gloat over that one. You're correct. Well, uh, it was a heartbreaking loss for the Chiefs. Um, the Patriots will be playing in the Super Bowl. The mm-hmm. Chiefs did not make it this year. Uh, as a true, lifelong Kansas City fan, I will say next year is our year because right. that's what we always say. There will be a defense next year. There will be a defense <laughs> next year. So, um, unfortunately, we will not see the the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, uh, but really excited. You know, I, I'm a football fan, so I kind of like the festivities sure. anyway, even though I don't like really either team that's playing. Of course. Well, and in honor of the festivities as well, and related to agriculture, I did find that uh, there is projected to be a record setting 1.3 billion chicken wings eaten on Super Bowl weekend this year. So that is quite a statistic. And the it National is. Chicken Council is the one that tracks that. Uh, are you going to be partaking in that? Yes. So uh, we always do a big load of wings, both bone in and bone out, because mm. we are a divided household. Um, <laughs> but wings are my favorite Super Bowl food. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite Super Bowl snack? Uh, my, my wife makes um, the buffalo chicken dip. Oh, so crackers, good. Um, so good. One of my favorites. And then also spicy corn dip, which you may know we bring to pretty much everything we ever go to. Yes. Um, yes. It's I an excuse for me to eat it. Because maybe if no one else likes it, then I get to eat more of it. Hey. But those are our go-tos, and we will definitely be making those even if we're the only ones watching the game. Yeah, well, it obviously is a huge weekend in the food industry, and you mentioned obviously it's record-setting. So um, it'll be an interesting game regardless of the outcome, I yes, think. Yes, next so. year it will be more interesting with That's the That's right. <laughs> oh, All right. Well, thank you for joining us, and uh, hope that everything turns out well at your Super Bowl party. You too. Have a great week. <laughs> Thanks.
Thank you for joining us. We will join you next week after the Super Bowl ends where we can get back to talking about the government shutdown as we like to do here. Hopefully we will have some resolution by then. So we will talk to you next week. 